0: Lead and empower her with Dr. Julie Ducharme, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant people on the planet. Hear their stories and get the most important business lessons they have learned on their road to success and get exclusive advice on how to implement their success into your life and business. Lead and empower her with Dr. Julie Ducharme is brought to you by the Strategic Advisor Board and your host, Dr. Julie Ducharme. Hi, I'm Dr. Julie Duchar. I'm back for another episode of She CEO Talks, and I'm really excited today to have on the show Sabrina Guler. And she is an author, a techie, and a real estate entrepreneur who has a quest for something more. And I don't want to steal Sabrina's story because she has a really amazing story. But right now, just a little bit about her is she's been recognized by Forbes, Yahoo, USA Today, and even Roku streaming TV Staycation. And she has many achievements in the real estate sector and been highlighted in Business Insiders Rising Stars and Real Estates 2023. And she has attracted over $65 million in investments and recently distributed over $2 million in passive cash flow. Sabrina is rocking it in the world of tech, real estate, and so much more. Sabrina, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Well, I'm so glad you're on this. We recently met, for those of you who are listening or watching, um, I don't know, a week or two ago. Uh, but your story was so impactful to me. And it really hit home with me because even though I think I'm about 15 years older than you, um, listening to your journey uh, just really reminded me of how important it is for our young le- women. Even my, my daughter, who's 15, is a business owner. And I think about what you've gone through and what I've gone through and how maybe our words of what we've gone through can help empower our younger generation coming through. So I'm really excited to talk today. And I know a little bit about your story, but I'd love for you to tell our listeners about your story, the backstory of how you ended up from where you were at to now a tech investor an author and so many more things.
1: Absolutely, um, yes. I ju- we Julie and I just met recently, and I love that your daughter is an entrepreneur at fifteen. It actually reminds me, and it brings us right to per- the perfect time to share my story because I had my first business when I was, I think, I was like thirteen. It was it was a MySpace business. It was uh, editing all of the websites for people on MySpace. You could have those like funky layouts, and um, yeah, I think I think I must have been fifteen or sixteen years old. My parents had been um, unfortunately they were they were experiencing the aftermath of the crash in two thousand six to two thousand eight, and I had lost everything as a kid. I mean, we had such a great upbringing, and then from basically up until that point, we lost everything. And I really had to think about money from a very young age. I had to financially take care of myself and think about what my future looked like you know in terms of going to school what career i wanted and i felt like i had such limited access to the world because of my limited circumstances and my my parents were super supportive and they're such amazing parents so i don't i don't want to take away from them but it was just what we had growing up and so from a very young age, I for you know, since your listeners have never seen me before, I actually grew up on the Northeast um, from New Jersey originally, and I always had exposure to New York City. So I've always been around super wealthy people, I've always seen the hustle and bustle of the city, and I've always been around wealth. I mean, New York is like the epitome of wealth. There's, you know, there's always someone richer than you, there's always someone doing more than you. And so being exposed to that really created a lot of big lofty goals. for for me that i that i knew that i was capable of deep inside and so i started my journey super young and i told my parents i don't care what you have got but i don't care what you guys have going on i just know that i want to start my own business i want to work for a really good company and i i know that i'm going to be doing great things and so although i made that statement at a very young age uh my journey has been filled with filled with challenges it has been filled with so many different turning points and setbacks, but despite that, I have still always had a fire in me Mm. and I knew that I was capable of so much more. So my journey began in New York city. I bartended, I did a lot of things. I was exposed to great people. I was exposed to horrible people. I mean, being so young and being so easily manipulated at such a young age, being a woman in New York city, Mm. I really saw a lot. And so I got into real estate super young and um, I decided I wanted to get into school. I, you know worked my ass off. I got into community colleges. I got scholarships. And eventually, eventually after a couple years, I decided I want to get into engineering. Engineering was like this new, you know, this new lofty, prestigious industry. Hmm. And that's what I wanted to get into. So I studied that, taught myself everything on YouTube, how to code different languages. And eventually after a few years climbing the ladder, working my ass off, I, I ended up working for Apple. And um that that was actually a really big turning point in my career for me because i as a as as someone who comes from an immigrant family that didn't have the resources to go to school and do those things i always you know apple was such a big peak point of my career where i felt like i could you know i was hitting that threshold but to be honest with you something deep inside me felt like i was capable of so much more i wanted so much more and the corporate life Although it gave me a lot of stability and I needed stability, you know, growing up with, mm-hmm. with my circumstances and running around and going from job to job and climbing and doing all these things, I, I loved the stability. I love the stability of, of income and health insurance and all these things. But something in, you know, deep inside me wanted more. I wanted to kind of be my own boss. I wanted my own flexibility. And I really feel like I had the personality for entrepreneurship. So, um, you know, carrying through my career at Apple, I decided I want to start a business. And it was a really messy transition process for me. I tried a lot of different things. I probably had like five or six failed businesses before my most recent business, uh, Tech Um, But in my, you know, while working for Apple and co- during COVID, I decided to get into Airbnb investing and owning my own little property and decorating it and furnishing it and doing all that was so satisfying to me. And I wanted to turn it into something more so I started an LLC, I got a few properties under my belt. I then met my, my business partner, you know, shortly after. And I took a big jump. I left Apple, I was, I was in that enger- engineering career for seven, eight years. I left Apple and I started my business. And um, uh, I, I, you know, two and a half years later, we've, we've raised almost, we're close to, I think $70 million at this point. And we have about 130 properties. I am, you know, we're not really big on titles at the company, but it's me and my other founder. We're two co-founders. I'm, I'm, I'm a technically the CEO, and I focus a lot on operations, scaling my business. You know, I've, I've flipped over 160 properties, designed 160 properties, furnished them, and gotten them up on on Airbnb between you know two, two thousand, yeah, 2020 to, to today. So we're just about ending 2023. And um, and that is that is my journey up until today. I just recently started uh, my brand something more. And it's for uh, it's a community space that I'm actively working on to bring people together that are looking for more that are craving more in their life. So that is my story in a nutshell.
0: Well, you've said so many things. And you reminded me of myself. Um, I started businesses at a very young age, too. I was always trying to sell something or make something. And I uh, when I remember in college, I think my first company was called ransom. And I was uh, selling t shirts and doing stuff with my sports side. Um, But I love hearing everything, especially your hustle. Because a lot of people today think, Oh, you just you know, you can just make money overnight. And, I had to do the hustle like you. I came from a family that same thing We're amazing people, but they didn't have a ton of money. I had to get scholarships. Even with my scholarships, I remember cleaning houses, uh, babysitting, like just to be able to pay for all my stuff. Um, and like you, nothing was ever given to me. And so the hustle was always in me. And And you said something that hit me as well. You said when you were working for Apple, you just felt like you were made For something more, right? And and I felt that too when I hit that corporate that corporate um, level. I was at a high corporate level, and I remember wanting to leave. And I don't know if you had this feeling, because, but I was really terrified of leaving that security, right? The the health insurance, the really good pay, the nice office, the. I was worried about leaving that stability, but at the same time, I was completely unhappy with where I was at. And when you said that, that was impactful to me because I hear this from women all the time, like incredibly successful, high level women who are feeling that as well. And I'm just curious what's behind that, right? Is it because that we, you know, we just know that there's more than that, but I I think you're on to something with your something more. I really do.
1: So I have, not to get like super philosophical, but to me, I've actually, so I think my whole life, especially for people that if, if you're, if you have this type of personality, you're type A, you always want more, um, you're constantly pushing yourself, you're growing, you're, you're expanding yourself on a daily basis. You're already different from 99% of the people. And I always found that I was almost shamed for wanting more. Hmm. Like I was shamed for wanting more. Like people were always kind of on almost on the borderline of being judgy. Like, why are you chasing things and why are you going after so much? And why can't you just be happy? And the the thing is, I am happy. I actually, I don't, I don't believe that your life is supposed to be this one purpose that you find. And then that's, that's it. I believe we're supposed to evolve. I believe we're supposed to challenge ourselves. And I also think as women, women grow and change. We're so intuitive we have so many different layers and complexities and and parts to ourselves, I really do believe that this journey of more doesn't end. And I don't think it needs to be I don't think it needs to have a negative connotation to it. I think if we just embrace it, there are so many different parts to ourselves that we can unfold and learn about.
0: With you. And I I think something you know, you said something really important there, you said people are, were judging you. And I, I've felt that before too, right? Like, why are you, you know, I almost sometimes get shame. Well, why are you doing so much? Why do you have so many companies? Oh, you're, you must be exhausted. Right. And I think to myself, but this is what I love. Like, this is me, my inner passion. And when I think about that, right, women are not one trick ponies. We're incredibly talented, but culturally, I think that we are expected culturally to, you know, we're we're the ones who have the children, we're the ones that take care of the home. I wrote an article that talked about women hold 90% of the household responsibilities in a relationship whether you have kids or not, you're still holding that 90%, right? That's a tremendous amount of responsibility to hold. But if you've ever read The Feminine Mystique, um, it talks about, you know, in the 1960s and 70s, women were going to college, they were getting educated. And then the reason they went to college was because they were going to get married. And so they would get married and they would enter into, you know, that marriage and they would have kids and they were starting to get depressed because they had been educated and they felt like they were needed something more. But that wasn't culturally acceptable. And so there was this phenomenon going on of women just desperately wanting to be involved. And the woman who wrote this, I believe she wrote for Better Homes and Gardens or one of those magazines, and she would want to write these more insightful articles. And they would say, no, 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 you need to write about what's a good washing machine and what's a good you know, meal for this. And so this was this phenomenon happening. And so I think culturally, even though we've evolved as a culture, obviously, and women are in every environment now and and we're breaking barriers, I think culturally people still struggle with the idea of us being this, well, we can have multiple companies and I can still be a mom and I can still be a business owner and I can still have fun and I can still do this. And so you're right. It is a bit of this weird kind of thing that I think if you're not people like us, you don't get it. And my husband reminds me all the time, they're not like you, they don't run at the same speed. And I had to be like, okay, you're right. Like that's, you know, and some people just don't get it. And I agree with you. Like, let's not squelch. You know, I look at my daughter who's 15 and, and you remind me of my daughter, um, just this, like, you know, when you're talked about doing like web pages for, um, you know, the MySpace or whatever it was like, she's coding, she's learning how to design, she's very much into the tech space. Um, and she's really into it. And a lot of her friends don't get it because she's more into the tech and doing that than she is into doing girly things. <clears throat> and so she has this tremendous ambition, right? And and it's, it's like you, you know, I see her doing that just going after it. But but I want to talk about too, we talk about barriers or issues. You mentioned you might, you tried maybe five companies that failed and then you moved into this. And I remember you talked a bit about you being a woman in this kind of investor space. And I know a lot of women are trying to navigate the investor space. I could seriously think of like eight women right now. And you talked about that. Can we, can you talk a little bit about kind of the struggles, but then also how you overcame that?
1: Yeah, I think, um, I think the, the biggest piece of navigating the investor space in general is just owning the relationship and carrying the vision of your own business to it's it's really, it's really just an expression of leadership. I think like raising money is just an expression of leadership. It's you have a vision and whether or not that carries through is how you typically raise. Um, Luckily my, my business partner had a background in raising capital. And so I learned a ton from him on, you know, how to, how to define that vision for your business, how to position it so that, whomever you are trying to raise capital from has that understanding and builds that connection with your business. A lot of our investors for TechVaster are, um, they're actually male, most of them are male. We actually just started, um, you know, it, it wasn't even intentional, it just kind of happened, but a lot now we're, we're seeing more women investors join and, um, and, and really, you know, because him and I have a background in, te- uh, in technology, like I worked for Apple and, and he worked for Facebook, that was just our crowd naturally. So, our crowd cares about family and investing and technology and uh, you know diversification of of their portfolio. And typically, people who care about diversity in in in, uh, in investing are already well invested. Like their their portfolios already pretty diverse or they've kind of tried everything. And so for that, we, we really positioned our brand to cater to the interest of that. And so I think it's all about, again, it's all about vision and it's all about how you communicate that. So whatever you're working on, whether it's like venture or a fund, or you're just trying to bring people into a community, it's, it's transitioning that message into something that they care about. And it, it, it's also exemplified through your vision of your brand.
0: Yeah. I, I find a really interesting statistic I looked up is that many women who could invest don't invest. It's it's really interesting. Um, I know I'm a very like safe risk taker, right? And so I look back on my history in business and think, wow, I wish I would have taken that risk. I wish I would have invested in that because you see it blow up. You know, there's always the joke about Yahoo, right? Like everyone thought like Yahoo was a total joke, and then the ones who invested are multi millionaires, and everyone was like, yahoo what's yeah you know back in the day it sounded ridiculous and i i remember too this is how bill gates became a billionaire you know he talked about licensing his software to other groups and i i think it was intel forgive me if i got that get this wrong but they were like oh yeah the money's in the hardware well nobody knew right but but he knew and so i think about this you know you've come up with a really brilliant idea right you're you're taking you're allowing people to invest And, you know, in these Airbnbs, which I have an Airbnb, I know how lucrative that can be. I think Airbnb is a brilliant idea, Um, you know, and you're doing, you guys are doing all the work and the investors are getting a payback. And it's a really interesting merger of technology and, you know, taking advantage of an industry where you can do really well at and I think that's the other thing I want to move to is that this was such, when I went on your website, The Tech Fester, I was like, wow, this is really brilliant, right? Like, you know, it's like rollerblades back in the day when rollerblades were popular, like, wow, why didn't I think of that? When it comes to ideas, right, and, and trying to build these ideas, you know, you mentioned four or five ideas that didn't go before this one did. What made you continue to persist after the failures,
1: I have a I, I've, I've always had a very deep sense of um, on, on knowing how I want to feel. So for me, it's never been about the what. It's always been about how I want to feel. So I've never attached myself to failures of things or or what the business was. Like for example, I had a little fitness brand a few years ago that didn't do so well. And it didn't do well for many reasons. I didn't have the time for it. I wasn't really that passionate about it. I just kind of was trying to do something and and learn about it. And then I also had um, a design consulting agency for Airbnbs prior to my business. It was a very small like rental arbitrage pilot thing I was testing. But to me, I always wanted, I had a feeling that I wanted to, to do something big. And when I say big, I mean like mass volume uh, highly visible in front of people. I wanted, I wanted, to, I, I knew what that felt like. And because yeah. I knew what that felt like, I tried many different things to see if, if that's what, if, if what I was working on fulfilled, what I wanted to feel like. Um, and that's a really powerful, like vision creating tool because oftentimes we're so focused on this thing, but there's so many things that, will not make you happy or will not give you that feeling or that, or that uh, whatever is deeply inside of you that, it, which is why you're working on whatever you're working on to begin with, you, you want to make sure you're striving for that, not the thing. So I've had many, many failures for things, but I was never bothered at, by it because it, it never fulfilled that feeling for me to begin with. I hope that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and same thing. I've had lots of idea, ideas along the way that I thought for sure were going to be huge and then failed epically. And my response has always been like, okay, let's try it. We, we might fail epically. And then we just move on to the next thing. And like you and I, I think we are very persistent, courageous, you know, risk takers <clears throat> that are like, listen, let's just try it because as your motto, which is a perfect motto, I'm going to be saying it all the time now. Talk to Sabrina, something more. Um, I, you know, we are searching for something more. For me, when I had kids, I suddenly realized I wanted to create generational wealth and a legacy. And that's been a real drive for me because I want to leave this world better than it was. And I want to leave it better for my kids. I also want to leave my children the most opportunities possible. I knew that wasn't going to happen being in a, in a CEO job with a fixed number of pay, you know, because when it came down to it, when I calculated it, I was doing a ton of work and I wasn't getting paid my worth and as and so I really felt like there's got to be Something out there that I love to do, that I have a passion for, that I can make a lot of money, and and I don't know why, but people make you feel bad about making a lot of money. Um, there's nothing wrong with making a lot of money, especially if you're doing it the right way. And that's something I ran into all the time: is you know people would kind of guilt me about making a lot of money. I'm like, why? Why is it not okay for me to make a lot of money? What's especially wrong now,
1: there? too? Especially now, a lot of people like it, you know, it's it's almost like not making money is cooler than making money. <laughs> to me, I'm like. Right it's a lifestyle thing. It does. It's not, I'm not doing it in an unethical way. It's just, it's a, it's, you know, I'm providing value and I'm getting something in return.
0: Right. And making money allows me to do a lot of things, not just take care of my family and create this legacy, but it allows me to invest in other things like she talks. We've talked about, you know, I funded she talks out of my pocket for the last nine years because I believed in that. And it was something that I felt was important. It it allows me to give back to veteran groups. And so, you know, I I think about that and that's impactful. And and I don't know why a lot of people expect women to make little money and work for little money and give discounts. It's a very strange thing. Once again, it's a I think it's a cultural thing that we're still overcoming. Um But I think it's impactful for us to be able to see that and encourage these other women, whether it be our future CEOs. I see my daughter definitely being a CEO and doing something big, just like you, because she has that drive or to the women who I know are in the thick of it right now. Right. Like they're in that, you know, you talked about flipping like one hundred and sixty something houses. I mean, that had to have been such a lift. I mean, to do that, like I can't even imagine I flipped like two houses in my life and that was a mega lift. So what you're doing is impactful. Um, now we're coming to the end of the podcast and I I did prep you with this question. So you had a moment to think about it. And even though you're, you're young, you can still go back to, I, you've had a journey, right? So, you know, if you could go back to that younger you and give that younger you advice, what would it be?
1: I think, It's just to keep going. I mean, I think anytime you build a business or you're doing more for yourself and you're already separating yourself from 99% of the people who are not making that decision with you, I think things are really messy. Transition is really messy. Starting a business is messy. We all, we have this idea that like you can start something and it's going to be successful or you're going to start something and and what you say it's going to be is what it is. It's, it's so not the case. I mean, there's so many pieces of ourselves that we discover along the way of creating. And I think we set this like incredibly high expectation of everything that we do being like type A women. And I think it's to have fun, lighten up a little bit
0: mm-hmm.
1: and embrace the messiness because I don't think it ever ends. It never, it doesn't end if you're constantly on a journey for more. So yeah. I'm actually giving myself that advice as I as I speak to you because I should take it. <laughs>
0: I agree. And yes, we are ever evolving. And sometimes we're our worst critics and we're the the worst ones. Um, And we got to give ourselves advice. So I love that. Now, um, I know you have a couple things coming up. Um, uh, Let's see, you have a new podcast out called Something More. I was on that website. So tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. So Something More is actually my personal journey of discovering more. I'm currently building this brand as an entrepreneur that has been so focused on money and real estate and technology and very masculine parts of business I've, I've actually i'm now leaning into a more you know a brand that's focused on vulnerability being open with my emotions being open with like where i'm at with my transition and my transformation on just developing as a woman in business and so my podcast is all about giving people insight and tools on the messiest parts of discovering more and I have a lot of, uh, I, you know, I have a lot of exciting things coming up with that podcast. I'm interviewing some really fascinating people and, um, and of course, providing, you know, my story, which, uh, which is in hopes to help other people too. Um, so that just launched about a week ago. And then I'm also, um, I'm currently in the process of working on a book, but more, more details on that later on.
0: Awesome. Well, I, I love it because, as you said, we're we're one trick pony, and we're not a one trick pony. We're expanding ourselves in a variety of areas. And you're absolutely on to something with with your tagline and everything you're doing. Um, What is the best way for people to find you? I mean, not just, I know we have our tech, techvester.com, but if they want to reach out for you for more, to learn more about your podcast or you or anything else you're doing, what's the best place for them to find you?
1: The best place to reach out to me is probably on LinkedIn. I'm I'm the easiest to to reach out there. And then obviously my website, sabrinaguller.com, any inquiries, I usually am pretty fast to respond to you.
0: That is awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, for being like being vulnerable, as you said, about your journey. Um, I know this helps so many women who are listening to our podcast right now, ones who want to build a business, ones who are in the thick of the business, ones who are in that transition, Um, but it makes such a difference for them to hear from all of our she she CEOs around the world. So thank you for being on the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Yeah.
0: And as I always say, live, love, laugh, and always be your authentic self. Thanks for listening to Lead and Empower Her with your host, Dr. Julie Ducharme. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates, and we'll see you on the next episode.